Hello and welcome to the Best Small Business in the World podcast. My name is Matt Fitzsimmons and joining me today is Sturdy McKee. Good morning, how are you? Hey Matt, good, good. How are you doing? Well, I'm currently looking outside my window and it's a glorious, frosty, but clear day where I am. So I'm doing great. Thanks, mate. And you know what? Um, later on today, I've got to go and work on a structure about our very topic for today, which is doing the employee reviews or how do you what do you do to when you're doing a, an employee review? I think it's a really good subject for for small business owners. It's it's one of those things that you see that you hear about big businesses doing because they've got all these all these resources and they've got HR mm -hmm. departments and and that sort of thing. And they've got people to do it, and often small businesses don't have the the time or the bandwidth just to actually to do it. But it is so critically important to the performance of your business and and your people for that matter. Well, I see. I I take another perspective on it. You don't you don't you don't not have the time, right? Mm. And the bandwidth because if you're if you're there to support and coach your team and your players to be the best that they can be, you've got to do this. And mm -hmm. the thing is, like there there's a lot of confusing, confusing, confusing information out there, right? All these different techniques and tactics and stuff. And I'm I'm going to break down for folks, I mean, some of the stuff you taught me, but then practical things that we did along the way that keep it all aligned, keep it tight, keep it organized, and don't take a lot of time once it's set up, okay? But it's gotta get set up first. Mm -hmm. um, one of the more confusing things that I'm at, and I want, maybe you can run with this for a second, is the message out there that annual reviews don't work. You heard mm -hmm. that? Oh, yeah, you, you often hear people disparaging them, but then often those sort of articles go into, well, and they explain why, and then you go, well, it was never going to work in the first place. So, you know, well, sure, it doesn't work, but it's not the annual review that doesn't work. It's what you're doing that's not working. Well, that's one, absolutely, because the, you know, every, it's all about the implementation, the technique, right? Hmm. But then beyond that, and it's annual, Mm. right yeah. are you seriously if this is let's say it's september are you going to tell me about stuff i messed up last november yeah exactly right yeah. well that that's exactly because you know the hr people they do that right well yeah, in yeah. november of last year or december or you know six months ago you had a run-in with so-and-so so so really, yeah. I mean, you want to have a good relationship, bring up stuff from six, eight, nine months ago, mm. right? Yeah. And, yeah. So again, my whole premise is that these are long-term relationships. The employer-employee, co-worker yeah. relationships are long-term relationships, right? They're not romantic, but they're meaningful or they should be, and they last a long time. And we've got to get along and work nicely with people. And if you have a formal process that's bringing up stuff from eight months ago, you need to change your process. <laughs> I reckon. Isn't it funny though, because the, the, the statement annual reviews don't work is absolutely correct. But when you right. contextualize it with all of the other conversations that you should be having throughout the year, being right. maybe weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever, they work fantastically well. But you need to have these other things in order to for that to happen. Um, one of the worst things that I've seen is that you turn up to your annual review and you find out, and, and, and you know, we've both got multiple stories of this. You find out that you haven't been performing. And, and like you say, it was like, well, last October, you find out. this one thing. And 
there should be no surprises. One of the principles that I talk people about is there should be no surprises in your performance review. You should be able to walk in there and go, I know practically everything that, that, we're, that, that we're going to talk about because we're talking about that stuff all the time. Well, perfect. So that sets us up. Number one, we're going to increase the frequency. So no more mm -hmm. annual reviews. Okay. Um, quarterly, I found that every, I, I prefer every four months because doing okay. quarterly reviews is, it's a great cadence, but it, did, it does put a lot of work on everybody to keep up. And yeah. I don't think you lose a lot in the feedback process and in the planning going forward process by adding 30 days to that time period, but you do remove one whole cycle of those reviews from each year, right? So if you're doing every four months, every trimester, and you're setting your goals for the next 120 days and reviewing the past 120 days, you're keeping the, the frequency and the tightness, you know, good enough. Okay. Um, yeah. The other thing though, that you just kind of started with alluded to was the need for clarity around what the job is, right? If I know mm -hmm. what I'm responsible for, if I'm abundantly clear on the top two or three things that are the most important processes that I operate in my position or the most important deliverables or things that I do, and I'm doing those, then yeah, when I come into the review process, right? I know, so I know whether I'm succeeding or not, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you're one of the people who taught me about the role scorecard. This is invaluable. So if you guys are, if you, somebody listening to this driving, stop your car, get out a notepad, hit pause, right? But, or run it back later, but three things, the role scorecard has three critical components and it can be, there, there's more to it, but, Without these three, everything else falls apart. The job accountabilities, right? These are the yes, no's, binary. You did it or you didn't. You show up to work on time. You can't show up to work on time 70% of the time and be okay, right? Um, the other classic example is HIPAA compliance. You don't want your doctor's office being compliant with patient confidentiality 80% of the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a yes or no. You did it or you didn't do it. That's your list of job accountabilities, right? You attended your mm -hmm. meetings with your manager. I'm just giving you a couple of examples of things that might be in there, right? Section two is core values. The beautiful mm -hmm. thing about the core values is once they've been decided, they're the same for everybody in the organization. We should probably yep. chat about that for a minute too, but they're the same on every role scorecard for everybody in your organization because your core values are not position specific, right, or dependent. And then the third one is the KPIs where you pick, you pick two or three, no more, right? For a position of KPIs, key performance indicators that are the outcome of the most important processes that people operate, okay? KPIs are an outcome. They're not the process, right? So there are multiple reasons that people might not be delivering on their KPIs, but that's maybe a different discussion, but, if you've got a good process that's repeatable and predictable and they're doing it well, you're gonna get the result. So now you're setting your players up for success. And an example of a KPI, I mean, sales is a quintessential example, but I'm gonna take that to another level with the front desk at a doctor's office or a physical therapist office, right? They're actually your salespeople. So you should be, and, and I find very, very few people are doing this, you should be tracking the number of inbound leads. In other words, the number of new patients who call or potential new patients who call to try to schedule or want to schedule versus the number who actually show up. 
because it's that conversion rate of the people who are making inquiry to actually attending their first visit that that's your that's your sales process. You're converting an interested person into a paying customer, right? And if that's their role, then you have a percentage, you know, percentage of those that end up being your target um, for the KPIs. So as you said in the beginning, right? If I know what my job is and I'm walking into my review, especially if it's centered around three crystal clear things, job accountabilities, my behaviors around the core values, these are the core values, and my, you know, my performance on my KPIs, my metrics, I, I, there, there's no anxiety. Not at all. Not at all. You know, what's really interesting is for those of you who are listening to this podcast um, and through your car or going to work or, or whatever at, at the gym, um, what you can't see is what's behind Sturdy. So on my right-hand side behind Sturdy on his left is our book, The Best Small Business in the World, which every human being on this planet who owns a business should own. But on the other side is a book for leaders of organizations about getting clear on things. It's about creating a sense of clarity and focus in your business. I thoroughly recommend that you get it. And I'm not trying to sell sturdy stuff. I'm just saying because one of the big issues that a lot of small businesses have is that you've got people in your organization who aren't clear on the things that are covered in the scorecard. Because the scorecard just lays it out crystal clear. This is what your success or failure will be judged on. And most people just don't have that really simple understanding about what makes a successful day for me. That role scorecard should clean up any ambiguity that anyone has about, you know, what does a win look like to me? Well, it's really simple. On this role scorecard, on a sheet of paper, normally it's just one sheet of paper sometimes double-sided, but mostly just like it's it's a brief rundown of what does success look like in this role? That's why it's called a role scorecard. Um, super right. simple to do. Super, super simple to do and so valuable. But it but it's got to be done, right? <laughs> it's and, be done. And, and the most interesting, I mean, it's like so many things. Knowing it is not enough. You've got to actually do it, right? It's like, I mean, I know what to do at the gym, but I haven't been in a long time. Right. So, so what do I look like versus doing, even if I'm not doing it perfectly, doing something. Right. So um, here's the other thing, though, Matt, you know, you know that that, in, that Gallup employee engagement survey really got under my skin. Right. And the mm -hmm. idea that it's at 70 percent, 70 percent of U.S. employees are disengaged at work and globally that number is 80 percent. OK. Yeah. Um, the number one thing they're recommending that Gallup is recommending right now, because they have different tools, they prioritize based on the results because they ask different questions and stuff. The number one thing they're recommending right now is clarity, mm -hmm. creating clarity yeah. for your, for your team and your staff. Where are we going? What do you do? How do you do? How, how does what you do contribute to the overall, but that, what do you do part is often confused too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so as far as performance reviews go, start with. I mean, to be fair, the, I have I've yet to do a role scorecard that's taken more than about sort of twenty minutes, half an hour to actually do to actually complete it. It takes yeah. me about twenty minutes to half an hour for for a role because once you get into the like the values don't change, right? So that's the middle yeah. section done. So you just you you have that done. Everyone has exactly the same thing, um, and then you have. 
like you say, you know, the, the requirements, the accountabilities for, for the job. I'm like, I'm I don't sorry. normally put in turn up on time. Sure, there's a tons of overlap. So right. really, it's only the last section that is, 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 right. is, is there is a lot of conjecture because turning up on time, that sort of stuff, um, I, I don't normally put that it in, is, but, you know, well, it's, it's table it stakes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's only that last section that really where you've got to dig down and go, okay, what does success for, uh, success for this particular role actually look like? So there's only one section you're going to spend a bit of brain power really deeply on. Because um, once you've got the other section set up, it's, it should be relatively straightforward. So it's not like it's going to take three hours to do. It's going to take you, once you get good at it, and once you get a format, you've probably got multiple people in similar roles in a business. It's just roll it out. It's 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 simple as pie. It's not gonna, this is not a three hour job. This is like literally an hour uh, from start to finish, starting with a blank sheet of paper. For the first time. Yeah, the first time you do it, it's going to take an hour. The yeah, fourth or fifth but, time, the fourth position you do is going to take 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, you know what? So two things I want to, I want to, want to share something and then I want to ask you something. Um, the, the practice, the process of creating the KPIs for a position, the, you know, the, the deliverables, the metrics requires you to consider what the most important processes are, the most important things they do. So let's go back to that front desk person, right? We're looking at the conversion rate. That's the KPI, that's the measure, but it is, it is a result, okay? Yes. It's a result of the new patient intake process, right? So mm -hmm. you have two things that you can change if you're not getting the result that you want. You can change the play, the playbook, the process. You can mm -hmm. look, take a hard look at your intake process, you know, which means it's written down and you assess, is it giving us the results that we want, da, 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 right? Or you can, and, and, or you look at the player, are they executing well, right? Mm -hmm. So it also simplifies your job and your role in figuring out how people are doing, how they're performing and what they should be focusing on. Now, my question for you, Matt, because I've got a couple, what's the biggest mistake you see managers and leaders and founders and all make when they're doing the review or talking to their um, players about the, like about the role scorecard, about their performance. Um, aside from the, this is the only time during the year that I have a, a conversation about my performance. So let's put that to the side. <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, aside, aside from it being once a year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what do you see? Is um, some of them, see this as a um as an opportunity to to rate or to to mention oh. poor performance or to yeah. make judgment um and and that sort of thing and it's like well you know you think you're a seven out of ten on this and I think you're a five out of ten or whatever and and again it's the no surprises thing and I see people going along and getting blindsided and what? and not getting not getting anything positive from it because like if you go in and, and maybe you're not performing in a particular area, right? So, so often this is the case. So someone's not performing yeah. in a particular area. Is the conversation about what are we going to do about that going forward? Or is it a case of, I'm going to beat you down because I don't want to pay you anymore. And a, a lot of people oh, yeah. use yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a tool to sit there and go, um, I'm not going to rate you actually what you're doing, or I'm not going to you know, acknowledge you for the performance that you are doing because I don't want to pay you or I, I you know, <laughs> whatever. And I, I think that is just, it's, it's sad 
uh, first and foremost, but it's it's the, the quickest way I've seen to lose people. Uh, and I was really going to say, who does that serve? Oh, what? Don't look for sense, mate, because I can never find it. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I remember, I'll tell you what. So I was in a job. So I was paid an obscene amount of money as a um, as uh, from from a commission perspective. I paid a, an average salary, but I had an obscene um, uh, bonus structure, and I was getting all of my bonuses. I was earning more than my boss, <clears throat> and and a lot more than my boss, and it pissed him off. Um, and so we did our annual performance review, which tied in with the salary review and that sort of thing. And he and I said. And I walked in there, I, I knew that he didn't want to pay me one penny more because I was making literally like 70, 80% more than him. But I was the sales manager. And <laughs> that's what a sales manager should be striving to do. I wanted to earn, my next stop was earning more than the owner of the company who had three yachts. <laughs> that was my next stop, right? And I walk into this meeting and I'm just like, hey, Brent, how are you, mate? Yeah, da-da-da. We sat down, we had a bit of a yarn. He goes... So I'm really not happy with this and that. I'm just like, oh yeah, <laughs> why is that? And he goes, oh well, you know, um, I've, I've, and he made it this this bullshit excuse, and it really was it was utter nonsense. But it, it eventuated later that basically they couldn't, well, he didn't want to pay me any more. He was miffed that he set up his structure that he got a higher base salary and a lower incentive structure. I just said, yeah. pay, pay me. It's it's I rolled the dice, I won the game, and he was pissed off. Um, and it, it was self-serving, he didn't serve me. What he did do is he demotivated me. Um right. for about I don't know, three or four days, I was just beaten around. Then it was this case of cool, I'm gonna make so much more money than I have now. <laughs> so here I want to share with you the biggest mistake I see. And and it's it's well-intentioned, so it's not not the, not the not the type you were talking about so much. Um, but it's when the manager or the supervisor, the founder, owner, whoever, goes in and is talking with the individual contributor, the player, or maybe even a manager about the numbers, okay, about the results. And in other words, if the you know, let's use that example of front desk again with the conversion rate. They tell them we need a higher conversion rate. Okay. Yeah. That's not how people learn to perform better. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, if you have a good, solid, repeatable process that gets a predictable result, you're going back to the process. So kind of two, two problems there. One is, did have you not been having this conversation all the way along? Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you do, if you're talking about the numbers, it's not the way to get performance from your team, okay? They don't speak that language. And ultimately, that is, that's something I've been going over with clients quite a bit, even over the last year or more. You have to be able to translate the, what you're talking about into the language of the person receiving it, okay? So conversion rate, okay. I need a higher conversion rate. That's like going in and telling your, your baseball player, I need you to, to have a higher batting average, right? I mean, their, their, their reaction ought to be, well, yeah, no kidding, right? You know, I knew that, you knew, I mean, there's a target right there. I'm in the yellow, that means it needs to be higher. If they knew how to do it, they'd be doing it, right? Yep. Or, or maybe not, in, in which case they if should they were, If they were the right team. people, they would, for sure, yeah. 
Well, but right, if they're the right people and they knew how to do it, they would be doing it, right? So, so that's really a reflection of your competence, your ability, your expertise, your commitment, and maybe just implementation attention to your role as a coach. Are you helping them and guiding them through and practicing the process, the things that they need to do, breaking down the component parts and making sure they can do them so that they can be successful? Because, I mean, if you're, again, what you just said, if you're picking the right people, they want to succeed. Mm. It's funny, I liken it to a conversation that, um, so I used to coach water polo and representative level uh, water polo. And at the end of each season, I would sit down with each of the players and we'd have a, we'd have a general discussion and say, okay, so we talk big picture. So they already knew what they did, what they were doing well and what they were working on. They knew it from, from that level. But what mm-hmm. we did, and this is a really similar conversation to that, that performance review conversation, was we said, okay, we've got some up, we've got an opportunity to, to look higher level, higher level. Where do you want to be in three years' time with your, your with your sport? Exactly. Okay, cool. So if you wanted to be there in three years' time, what does this journey from where you are now to, to there actually look like? Now, this is where the power of a review comes. It, it just explodes because you can start thinking big picture. Most people aren't on a development plan, a professional development plan, which I think is such a waste of talent because – Taking your staff from where they are to where they where they where they want to be and where their business wants them to be is a fantastic journey because it says from your employees' point of view, I'm willing to invest in you, from uh, and that you've got a future here and I want to help develop you and I I want you to whenever you leave my company and most people leave companies at some point, I want you to be better than what you were on the day that you arrived, so it's this massive show of commitment and and confidence in your team to be able to say hey mate let's develop your skills let's work on this stuff and i used to have the same conversation with my players so i would sit down there and go right three years time where do you want to be and often they'd sit there and go i want to play for new zealand or i want to play for waikato or i want to play for a province whatever and you'd say okay cool so from a big picture perspective what we need to do is focus on this and that and something else. And, and so we go, okay, that's cool. And then we break it down into KPIs and um, and development plans. And if there are resources that I couldn't provide, like, you know, gym instruction, that sort of thing to get more powerful, that sort of thing, then we'd figure out a way of, of, of getting what they actually need. Now that's when the conversation comes alive because you can say to people, I want to invest in you at least for the the short to medium term. Maybe not for 30 years, maybe, but maybe not. But for the next next three to five years, this is what I'd love to help you achieve in your career. What a fabulous conversation to have. It's a fantastic conversation. Absolutely. And I love that you just turned it because the the implications or the, uh, the connotation of a review is that we're looking backwards, looking at past performance. But this is a huge opportunity to start setting goals and looking forward. So um, if they've got, if you set a three-year goal, then really what you're doing with this review is if we're doing it every 120 days, you're going in there thinking about, okay, what are we going to do over the next 120 days to move you closer to that goal? What do you need to work on? What are the, the you know, basically a SWOT analysis, right? The strengths, weaknesses, opportunities that you have, you know, the threats to getting there or whatever. But um what do you need to be working on over the next 120 days to move you closer to your ultimate, you know, three-year goal? It's the same strategy planning we do in our businesses. 
Totally. 100%. Just yeah. breaking it down. And But you reminded me too, there's the old, I forget where the adage comes from, but the old thing about, well, you know, the HR manager asked the founder, well, if, if what, if we, in, what, what happens if we invest in them and they leave? Right. 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 She turns to the HR person, right. It's like, well, what if we don't invest in them and they stay? Yeah. Right. That is so, such a great quote, isn't it? Well, it really sets perspective. I think it makes you stop and think like, oh, do I really want to do this? And they're going to up and leave and take these skills and go somewhere else. It's like, yeah, but they're going to be acquiring the skills along the way. They're going to be giving back. I mean, you, you got to be judicious about how much and who and, you know, you're investing and in whom and, you know, is it, it's got to make sense for both parties, but making my players better is rarely a bad decision. I can give you a really good example of how that comes to pass. Um, so one of the clients, uh, my long-term client, 15 odd years, um, they have, what, what they call as their own sort of in-house university where they train people in the skills and abilities uh, beyond the trade skills, but this is, this is the way that we do things within our business. Um, right. And for the longest time, our competitors would go and poach our staff uh, because they were really well-qualified, well-managed, and, and they were constantly in a place of being trained. And it could be yeah. something as simple as health and safety, or it could be the finer points of the trade that they were working in. Either way, they were, they were, it was, learning was an expected part of what they were doing, which is, which is great. So every once in a while, you'd get a resignation, and they got offered you know, a lot more money to be down the road. And so they'd go down the road, and for a couple of years, they'd be fine. But then they'd come back and they'd say, yeah, these guys, we never did any training. We didn't learn anything. We didn't even go to a conference to right. find out what's happening in the industry. So this company made the best of a well-trained employee, but never invested in them anymore. They just said, you come qualified and trained. I'll just use you for what you're doing. I'll, right. I'll pay you more, but I'm not going to give you more overall because I'm not going to put the time and effort into training and that sort of thing. And they would all, well, one guy didn't, but... I'm talking about all nine guys all started knocking on the door saying, we want to come back and we want to come back because you, you invested in us now, right from the start. Everything you did was to say, right, I'm going to take you and I want you to be, and and, and we have this goal of a 20 year staff member. So the, we, we want these guys to work with us for 20 years, which is by far the majority of their career. Yeah. That's unheard of today. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, and we don't often get it, but that's our goal. Um, our goal is every well, all of our trade team, twenty years worth of service, um, and and we often don't get it. I mean, like the, the percentage is low, but sure. that's what we're striving for. We're striving for because we look after them, we train them, we um, treat them well. You know, if they want to go skiing uh, in winter or or, or snow um, uh, or surfing in summer, we give them time to do that. All that really good stuff. And so they sit there and go, why would I go down the road for a couple of extra dollars? Doesn't make any sense. Totally, totally. Okay, yeah. so Matt, let's do a little quick recap. No, annu no annual reviews, right? They've got to be more frequent. Yep. And whether it's 90 days or 120 days, to be fair, that's not that's that's it's the it's the rhythm that works with you, but that would be about the right rhythm, wouldn't it? Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood, right? Not six months, not every year. Um, it's got to be more frequent than that. Um, yep. Number two, though, you've got to create clarity around what the expectations are. You're going to remove anxiety. You're going to remove 
you know, the apprehension, the blindsiding, the surprises and all that, if you're abundantly clear about what success looks like in the role, everybody knows going into it what they're gonna do um, yeah. or how they're doing. Number three, you mentioned planning for the future, investing mm -hmm. in their growth and professional development, yep. right? What, what did I miss? Uh, role scorecard. Get yourself a role scorecard for every single role, including yours as the owner, by the way. Um, yes. Get yes. someone to do it. Get your, get your business coach, get your somebody to, to, to rate your scorecard as well, because how, what's good for the geese has got to be good for the gander. Um, so you've got to, you've got to, you've got to operate by the same rules that they do, but, and it's such a simple tool, like Sturdy said, stop this, go back, rewind, have a listen to the structure of it. It's really simple to do. It's time well spent. Oh, it's huge. The payoff is huge. And it feels a little daunting, a little scary in the beginning. You're a little, I mean, a little lost, not quite sure, but again, doing something is better than nothing or, and it's still a step in the right direction. You don't have to be perfect. Exactly. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. Best Small Business in the World podcast. Matt Fitzsimmons, I'm Sturdy McKee. Thanks. Have a great day.